Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to Our Common Ground. My name is Alfo, and I'll be sitting in for Janice, who is on assignment, and I hope she's enjoying herself as she's working tirelessly at whatever she's doing. (laughs) Well, Saturday night, It's open mic. I say it's open mic because there's simply so much on the plate. You know, once you get so much on your plate, you have to jump from topic to topic because everyone has a a little something they want to say about everything. And when you need to say something about everything, that simply means somebody's doing too much. There is just too much out there. The confusion, the weeding through who's lying, who's trying, and who will be doing the dying. And I guarantee you, if these radicals emerge, ascend to the White House, it's going to be a long four or maybe even eight years. Citizens United Voter Suppression has thrown everything up in the air. Nothing is out of bounds. Everything is in place, regardless of one side. Offending, pissing off women, children, education, you name it. Hispanics, the gay community. They're even pissing off the Republican establishment. And there seems to be a divide between the 
the um, evangelical Christian right and the Republican establishment who was seriously looking to push Mr. Ignorant, Mr. Aiken, out of his uh, Senate candidacy. Now, he won. <laughs> he won the... He won the race. He won the race. He won the right to represent. And if you win the right to represent, why don't they let him represent? Well, especially since that is their platform. Their platform is no abortions under any circumstance. If you are raped and get pregnant, which 32,000 are, every year, you must carry that baby to turn. But we want small government. We don't want uh, the government in between the doctor and ourselves. We don't want the government with the vaginal probe and the ultrasound mandatory when they aren't necessary for the health of the mother. But they're all for big government then. But then they hate their government to a point where they don't want regulations, they don't want anything but their own religious, fanatical views. I am one who is against abortion. So I don't have one. <laughs> I never have one. But a woman's choice, a woman should have the right to choose. And let me let me preface all that to say this. If you get rid of birth control, if you make abortions illegal, when do women who want to steer their way into the workplace, who want to go, who are career-minded, is this just an effort to shrink the field for men? Is it, or is this an effort to make sure everyone is represented as they feel? How about freedom and liberty? How about the freedom? How about the right to make a decision as to what you're going to do with your body? How there are Republican women who are supporting this uh, cloaked and couched behind the love of life, and they support the death penalty, as they support war, as they support any, every, and all things that seem to be contradictory, hypocritical. You don't want freedom. You don't want liberty. You want the government to uphold your evangelical Christian Sharia, all the while taking away everyone's right. You want to scream religious freedom when you are practicing religious hatred. And I call it hatred because you couch it all with you are against life. And that is the narrative that you hear 
coming from these hypocrites. But as I said, there are so many there are so many uh things that are all over the place. So many stories, so many topics. And just just a little time for us to kick back and have this open mic uh approach to what it is that we see, what it is that we want, and just to have a discussion on it all. Is it really too much to ask that we can have a conversation about a platform that seems to be out of touch, totally out of touch with what American people want. Many people want freedom. But is that freedom when the government, when you legislate choice, is that the freedoms that they're talking about? Is that the liberty that they're talking about? Where are the constitutionalists that are sitting poised to go to this Republican convention? Oh, by the way, um, this just in from Pat Robertson. God chose to delay the start of the Republican convention by a day. It seems that there's a a blowhard coming out of the Gulf and um, flooding is possible. And the worst-case scenario, they'll be getting wet down there. Really? <laughs> so let me, just let me say this. When you can find that nutty old uncle, and I won't mention his, Pat Robertson, I won't mention his name, who can make up all of these um, hypotheticals and uh, come to conclusions that seem to be out of bounds and out of the realm of sanity. And he simply takes up the position of that nutty uncle that so many of us seem to have as part of our families. When you see the parade, and it's a real clown car, there are seven birthers who are going to speak at the Republican convention. Seven birthers. Now, just let me ask you this. Would this have anything to do with the so-called joke that Romney told in front of a cheering, head-nodding crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's all you see him doing is nodding their heads, yeah. Yeah, as he literally feeds them red meat. And the red meat of the hypotheticals, the red meat of the innuendo, the insinuation, the some people said and Many people, you know, what do you say to your critics? Or, you know, a lot of people think those are the Fox News techniques that seem to get nothing accomplished. They seem to only feed into their reasoner for asking a loaded question. 
I saw something that was I saw something that was head turning because I simply couldn't believe it. And I don't know what I did with the story, but uh, there's a, a CNN. Um, I guess she's a host of a show, but it really doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't speak to just how how nuts that sounds. And I think the headlines. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think those headlines say something to the effect: CNN promises to be fair. <laughs> and I thought that was very strange. I thought that was very funny because they wait until they have a 21-year historical low in their ratings and that they have promoted and served as proxies for the Tea Party. And they have literally promoted and said things out of the realm of either decency or logic. Brooke Baldwin and her and the direct um the direct uh quote was simply Brooke Baldwin says watch CNN over other networks because we are fair. And I found that to be so telling. So telling of what you can expect from CNN. Anytime you have to say we are fair, you can't be believed. You you basically uh yield to uh common sense. You you can throw that out of the window. And that's what you have. She's declaring that CNN is better because so why is it that they were promoting the Tea Party and sponsoring the Tea Party debates? Was it because they wanted the the, the Tea Party Republican debates? That's what they were. Tea Party Republican debates. So why would you be sponsoring that? Basically, Fox Light, Fox 2.0, playing into that scheme. And as you, they've played into the Fox 2.0 scenario, their ratings have cratered. And now they're looking to show. I can understand you've got Eric Erickson, you've got Dana Loesch, you've got those radical right-wing nut jobs as contributors. You have people like, what's the guy's name? Castellano or Alex Castellano. I I simply find it amazing that you have people in this environment who simply, and really, they don't get it. They don't seem to see or understand why it is it turns into a it turns into a, a, a carnival. And I I'm I'm really at a loss of words because it seems to be
so out, so far out of touch that you can't really you you really can't make this stuff up. What drives people to support these radical platforms? How is it that people can logically say, "Oh, I'm over here with this party"? Especially, how is it that two percent can convince forty six percent to vote against their own interests? What is that about? And I'm 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 very curious as to what's what that is about because um in doing my program yesterday I cataloged a uh, a messaging technique and I call it a messaging technique because that's exactly what it is. It's a messaging technique. It's what they use to persuade and to curry perception. They frame it, and that's what they run with. And they force the media to run with it because so many of them also agree with it. So many of them are unable to get with the program. And when I say get with the program, I, I I simply mean this. When you have folks who simply don't don't put in the effort, and this, I'm speaking of the politicians. I'm speaking about our politicians, and our politicians from either side. And it's very this was very telling for me. This was this was and is comical because what it speaks to. And I found a good example, a very good example. And that very good example, and let, just let, let me play it for you, because in this example, I think I'm going to say that you will find that there is a willingness, a willingness of people on the right and their willingness to participate in this madness, not madness, in this message, here it is. By about 2 o'clock that afternoon, Talking Points Memo had written up the Republican candidate's comments. They put it under this headline, Republican Senate nominee, victims of legitimate rape don't get pregnant. And then, then it was just a matter of time. Time rapidly ticking by. As of Monday at 10.30 a.m., Republican Senator Scott Brown was first out of the gate. He releases a statement saying Mr. Aiken should resign the nomination for U.S. Senate. That was 10.30 a.m. By 12.11 p.m., just after noon, it is Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson. Todd Aiken's statements are reprehensible and inexcusable. He should step aside today. By... 1.30 p.m., it's the National Republican Senate Committee. Over the next 24 hours, Congressman Aiken should carefully consider what is best for him, his family, the Republican Party, and the values that he cares about and has fought for throughout his career in public service. Then, half hour later, Carl Rove's PACs pull their ads from Todd Aiken. Then, just moments later, just after 2 p.m., that National Republican Senate Campaign Committee decided to go beyond its statement from a few minutes earlier, and they decided to pull their ads for Todd Aiken as well. They pulled $5 million worth of ads. Then, 
By 2.30 p.m., the top Republican in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, pulled his support for Todd Akin, too. Quote, I believe he should take time with his family to consider whether this statement will prevent him from effectively representing our party in that critical election. That's 2.30 p.m. By 3 o'clock p.m., Heinz Priebus, the leader of the Republican Party, says, if it was me, I would step aside. An hour later, when Republican Charlie Summers, who's also running for Senate in the great state of Maine, he says Todd Akin should resign effective immediately. Less than an hour and a half later, at 5.30 p.m., the head of one of the AstroTurfy Tea Party groups says he should step down and give conservatives a chance at taking back the Senate in November. That was all on Monday. Then it was time to wake up on Tuesday morning. Hello, it's 11 a.m., and Republican Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin is jumping in, too. Yes, Todd Akin should step down. By 11.50 a.m., less than an hour later, Republican Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, I urge Todd Akin to do the right thing and withdraw from the Missouri Senate race right now. Ten minutes later, at noon, Republican Senator Olympia Snow of Maine is clear as bell. Quote, Congressman Aiken cannot and should not represent the Republican Party in this fall's general election. Just moments later, speaking on a radio show, Republican Senator John McCain says this guy should drop out. Ten minutes later, at 12.15 p.m., Republican Senator Kelly Ayotte, the freshman from New Hampshire, she piles on and says Aiken should step aside now. By 12, no, excuse me, by 1 o'clock, 45 minutes later, uh, there's a new joint statement a joint statement from one sitting Republican senator from Missouri and four former Republican senators in Aiken State in Missouri, and they say, quote, the right decision is to step aside. Two hours later, 3 o'clock, Rush Limbaugh on his old tiny radio hour says Todd Aiken must put the nation and its future ahead of everything else that he's considering, and I hope he comes to the right conclusion. At 4.10 p.m., after all that, after initially only disagreeing with and then chastising Todd Aiken, after 36 hours of everybody else and their mother in Republican politics saying this guy has to go, finally, finally, 36 hours into it, Mitt Romney, the Republican presidential nominee, finally joins in and calls for Todd Aiken to step down, saying, quote, I think Todd Aiken should exit the Senate race. After that, 410, at 5.30, we got a statement from Republican Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. He's the head of the House Republican Campaign Committee. He said, I believe that winning the race would mean that Todd would not be that candidate that would be on the ballot. In other words, get out. Less than an hour later, 6.20 p.m., Orrin Hatch then says Todd Aiken should step aside today. Now, that is 23 Republicans, Republicans who aren't even in office anymore, at least four of them who are willing to weigh in, who have time on their plate to persuade, to message, to continue to push for their agenda. That's their messaging campaign. That's what they do better than Democrats. They participate in the messaging Democrats, absolutely not. You can't get a Democrat in front of a camera unless it has some type of, I won't even say self-serving, because it's beyond self-serving. This is about messaging. And they do the, they do the same thing in each and every 
opportunity, they message with full participation. I don't care. It could be death panels. It can be Obama spending $200 million a day to go to India. It could be Obama's a socialist. But there were 23 Republicans willing to weigh in on this topic. And quite a few others who were sitting on Fox News, all crying for Todd Akin's head. Todd Akin, in his true Republican form, told them all to go pound sand. He's going nowhere. He's in it for the long haul and for the win. And it was amazing that Rasmussen came out with a poll showing that Republicans had somehow lost 12 to 14 points in the polls the very next day. That's a Rasmussen poll. Rasmussen is notorious for their right-wing leaning uh, observations. Let's put it like that. But my, I, I pointed this out yesterday, and I will continue to point it out because it tells me that something is wrong. There is something wrong with the way Democrats are lackluster in their participation of getting the message out. You know, these camps right now are divided. People understand that they are going to vote for either Mitt Romney or Barack Obama, and they are fighting for that middle ground, that that 6%, that 5% of people who can stand around and say, well, I'm undecided, I don't know. But check your bank account. Check the, your income, your W-2, and they can still say that they don't know. And as I said, you know, you can, you can somehow come up with an excuse. Oh, he's got, we've got a $16 trillion debt. So it was, the debt was at zero. January of 2009. If that's what you want to disseminate, okay. The debt was at zero. When in fact the debt was a little more than $11.5 trillion. And then they say, well, now it's up to 15, 16. Well, Obama decided to put the $1.3 trillion tax cuts on the books. Then he decided to put the 25 to $3 trillion wars on the books. So right now we are at, let's say, $4.3 trillion. Oh, he's spending too much. All he did was add the uh, wars and the tax cuts to the books and the uh, Medicare Part D. That's all he did was added it to the books. But they classify that as the spending. And that's my problem with Republicans and their arguments. They are willfully disingenuous, willfully dishonest. And they expect everyone is going to, oh, his policies are bad, when they were plotting against him on his inauguration night. 
We're not going to let anything pass. We're going to obstruct all the way through. Oh, but the unemployment rate is still high. Well, that's because we've paid ransom of four hostage takings, and the ransom was 632,000 public sector jobs that you've demanded not to shut the government down or not to pass the arms treaty or the health care for first responders or the don't ask, don't tell or the raising of the debt ceiling. You know, that's what I mean when I say about messaging. If Democrats were engaged, if they were participating, beating that drum of outing the obstructionists would have come into play very well, very easily about right now when they are pointing to the economy and saying, he's not good, he's, he, he tried, but it's okay to make a change. And that's where they fall short. That's where Democrats fall short. That's where this president has fallen short. Had they participated in the messaging, we may have gotten a public option. The enthusiasm level of progressives and liberals may not have been so low in 2010. But that's just the wish list of mine. And regardless, at this point we have to push on. So what are we pushing on with? We're pushing on with a health care bill that they have effectively messaged against. And now they can claim that Americans don't like it. But as it creeps into their uh, their own personal uh, monetary situation, they find out, oh, that's good. But the Republicans, they don't care either way. They will continue to say it's bad. Obamacare, as they call it. Just <laughs> Obamacare is bad. Just as they continue to say, the stimulus didn't work, as we've seen is just a lie. It's been so debunked. But it, to me, it's the message. It's the message because, I mean, contrary to popular belief, these Americans aren't too smart. No, no, they are not too smart. Open mic tonight. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. If you'd like to weigh in, if you would not like to weigh in and just listen, that's fine too. But at some point, we have to become honest brokers of what we're in for. Should President Barack Obama fail in re-election, and should the Senate be taken over? by Republicans once again and holding on to the House. You have to scratch your head and ask, how is this possible? Voter suppression. That is what's going to make it possible because either the federal government, well, the Department of Justice, failed to protect the Voting Rights Act. You hear so many Republicans 
and they have stopped saying voting rights. They say voting is a privilege. It's not called the Voting Privilege Act. It's called the Voting Rights Act. But this is another messaging tool to curry the perception. They're going to change the language. They're going to change the way it's talked about, the way it's viewed, and that this is the constant chipping away. Look at Roe v. Wade. Look at how they've chipped away at it for 35, 40 years. And they are very, they are so close to forcing it in front of a radical right-leaning Supreme Court. It's not even funny. It's not even funny. We need to reelect President Barack Obama. And I'll tell you like this. You can scream and whine about drone strikes until the cows come home. His changing or the changing of drone strikes will not help you in your fight for choice. It will not help you in domestic matters here. It simply won't help you. You can get your head out of the sand. You can talk about the uh, detention, the constant detention. But one thing you cannot deny, you cannot deny that it's going to hurt. And the drone strikes will continue regardless. The latest drone strike uh, reportedly, um, I believe it was in Pakistan, and it's reported that it took out another upper-level um, al-Qaeda operative. And those are just casualties of war. That's unforeseen collateral damage for the innocent people that were killed. Or how about boots-on-the-ground soldiers when our troops are dying along with innocents in that country. I think the drone strikes are far less uh, casualty-causing. It may not be right. As a matter of fact, it's not right. But it's an effective way to wage war on al-Qaeda. And it's like this, if they're willing to hide among the innocents, then who are the cowards? You really That is a question you really have to answer. And as these drone strikes continue, one thing is perfectly clear. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, why is America not the greatest the great country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. You're saying yes. Let's talk about fine. Let's Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of her paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it any time he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. 
If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yet you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is... There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered first step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? This is the Alpha Show. The most powerful force on the earth. A soul of fire. Soul of Fire, Soul of Fire, Soul of Fire, Soul
Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to our Common Ground. I'm Al Four. I'm sitting in for Janice Graham. And uh, it's open mic night, 347-838-9852. That's 347-838-9852. If you want to get in and chop it up, we can do that with no problem. Oh, by the way, no trolls allowed. This is a troll-free zone, and it will, it will remain a troll-free zone. Don't come in here telling me about uh, who a Democrat stood in the door in the 1960s. Those were Dixiecrats in the South. Don't come in here telling me about Martin Luther King was a Republican. Oh, yes, he was. That was in the 60s. You're at least five decades out of touch with reality, and you're five decades out of the real reality of what happened and how Republicans literally lost and African-Americans sided with Democrats. It, was, it wasn't Republicans who brought us Medicare. They were opposed to it. And as you see, as today, they are still trying to destroy it and bring it down. It wasn't Republicans that were for Social Security. They were opposed to it. Ronald Reagan made an album out of it. And to this day, they are opposed to it, trying to get the Wall Street banksters to get their hands on the $2.7 trillion that sits in the Social Security funds that will allow Social Security to be paid out 100% full through the year 2037, but yet we all know Social Security has to be fixed. You see, they all say it, and that's part of the messaging. They all say it, and Democrats say nothing. So when I speak about messaging, I simply say this. They have won the messaging war for 50 years plus. And we find ourselves into this stalemate where we are so willing to move to the center as they move further and further to the right. And under the name, under the auspices of compromise, we are willing to go over to the right with them. If you don't understand messaging, you need to listen up. Because this is about perception. This is about how people think and what they believe. The Republicans have alienated just about everyone. You talk about uh, why is it that black people like the Democrats. Try the Voting Rights Act. Try the Civil Rights Act. Republicans are against that then, and they are still against it now as they try to whittle away and chop away at the rights of African Americans. I saw a an article, and I'm trying to, I can't remember the article, but I saw it. I don't remember if it's on Facebook and if someone 
in the chat room or someone out there can help me with it. It's about an African-American man and a son that were being threatened by this white guy, and they had a protective order against him. And the white guy showed up at their place of business with a knife, and he was threatening the son. And the father entered, and as things went on, the father shot and killed him. And there were no charges until the DA was running for re-election. And 11 months later, he brought charges, and they found the black man was was not um, able to use stand your ground, even though there were two police officers that testified on behalf of the father. I don't know if any of you under, know that story. I just I glanced by it and I saw it. I didn't save it. I was I was doing show prep and it caught my eye. I don't remember if it. I ran across it on Facebook, but it was simply. I mean, it it, it was. One of the jaw droppers, let me put it like that. It was a jaw dropper because it was literally, it was literally a miscarriage of justice. And now the uh, father has received a life sentence. And I simply can't uh, come across that any longer. So if anyone has that particular link or are aware of that story, I would um, I would love to get that link because I would like to uh, follow up on that because that is just that is right there with the Marissa Alexander story, where black people don't get to stand their ground, especially when they kill someone. A Caucasian and Melissa Alexander, Melissa Marissa Alexander killed no one. She just fired uh, a shot in the air into the ceiling, and now she's doing twenty years. Give me a break. As long as we continue down this road and as long as we have people in denial and people who are simply willing to say that or accuse people seeking justice of playing a race card that is what messaging does messaging brings down groups like ACORN messaging brings down affirmative action messaging brings to light and vilifies and demonizes the race card. Messaging destroys the reputation of unions as if they needed much help. Messaging is what they use to frame perception and run the illusion of they are on the right side as Democrats refuse to participate. And that's what uh, we need to participate more on. That clip, um, what makes why America isn't the greatest country anymore, that was the opening scene 
in the new HBO uh, series, Newsroom. And for those of you who are not Newsroom fans from HBO, HBO has a new weekly series called Newsroom, and I think this is its coming up to a finale. I believe Sunday it is. And um, it's been... The series itself, there are you know there are ups and downs, there are highs and lows in this particular series, but many of the highs are simply um, the actor, and I don't know, uh, I can't remember his his real name, but it's in the series. His name is Will McAvoy, and he is um, he is a, he is a journalist. He is an anchorman for um this um this network but he speaks his mind and he is what is needed in our cable news he's needed in our uh, CNN needs one and a lot of people say he is the Keith Overman but I'm pretty sure that the character doesn't isn't uh, copied after a Keith Overman. But he is very he is very intense when it comes to not allowing these talking points. You see, that's what they are. They are a repetition of talking points, and Republicans have so many people who are willing to put in the time to frame the narrative to create a perception. The same perception was created with Shirley Sherrard. The same perception is being created with this work to welfare. Regardless of the facts, regardless of the fact checkers, they're not looking for the truth. They're looking for a narrative to push and use the money. You see, anytime you see a, and this is a particular story, anytime you see a, 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 a congressman mad because he's being attacked for saying Medicare is unconstitutional, he said it for effect. He said it because he knew he has the money to run ads to back it up. And it is, I'm, I'm just surprised that there's so many people who don't, un, don't understand or simply don't care. And I, I have to put Democrats in that, in that category of they don't care. They don't care that this is being used and has been used as a weapon to beat you over the head. This is the kind of messaging that took us into an illegal war in Iraq that got 4,452 brave servicemen killed and over 35,000 wounded and an untold number of thousands that are scarred mentally as they come home to an unsupportive government rigged because they have messaged to the people that America is broken. 
We're broke. And Van Jones said, we're not broke. We're being robbed. And we're being robbed because you have people like Mitt Romney who are into tax avoidance. Now, this is the... This is the epitome of greed and entitlement. You are making millions, and yet you aren't patriotic enough to pay your fair share. Not your legal share, your fair share. If a garbage collector, if a truck driver can pay 28 to 33%, why can't you? Why should your dividends? be taxed at 15%. And that's another reason why they want the Bush tax cuts for the rich to remain in place. Do you know that if they allow the Bush tax cuts to expire, the tax rate on dividends will increase to 25% from the 15%? Do you know that once those tax cuts expire, that we will automatically get revenue into the Treasury that will alleviate some of this unemployment, that will allow the government to spend the money that it needs for infrastructure. And do you also know that many of these states are sitting on Department of Transportation money allocated to it, and they are sitting on it and not putting people to work to repair our infrastructure. They're simply sitting on it. So what did President Obama do? He wrote, I don't know if it was an executive order, but they have to use that money by 2013 or lose it. And they're all up in arms over that. What they are doing, they are sitting on that money, and they can't use it to fill their state uh, deficit the holes in their budgets they can't use it for that so you have to look at the level of obstruction look at the fact that they voted Republicans in a lockstep they all voted against infrastructure repair for the United States and all of them voted for infrastructure repair to Iraq to the tune of $50 billion. Why wasn't that the message from the Democratic side? They voted for $100 billion for infrastructure repair to Afghanistan, but nothing for America? Why was that not the message? Why couldn't we get 23 Democrats kicking open doors and moving toward microphones? to let the American people know it's the Republicans that have sabotaged our economy after they've caused the collapse. You'll have people say, oh, you can't say it was the Republicans. It was the housing market and those people who bought houses and couldn't afford them as the deregulations allowed the people who gave those loans to bet against them and squirrel it all away in an insurance company such as AIG, where Moody's and Standard and Poor's gave the wink and the nod that they were AAA rated. Tell me that messaging could not have 
brought a better understanding to who and how this crisis has come about. Tell me that you can't see that the people who have caused this are the same people who are crying and pointing the finger. It's he did it, he did it, he did it. I heard, who was that? I believe it was Bill Maher. Last year sometime, he used this analogy. I'm a baby boomer. I'm a child of the 60s, a teenager of the 70s, and a youth, a young father of the 80s. At age 59, soon to be 60, my oldest son is 44. My youngest son is 42. And my daughter is 38. So when I say I was a young parent, I was a young parent. Nothing but work. I had responsibility, period. So when I say I was a, I'm a child, I'm a baby boomer, I say it, I say it with great pride. I say it like, you know, the I'm a I was a Three Stooges watcher. And in a couple of the episodes, the Stooges were butlers. But their hidden agenda was they were they had an exterminate, extermination business. And they were infesting the mansions for, of rich folks. They would bring their little cases and boxes with the, with the mice and the, and the roaches and, and release them into the house. Then they would show up at the front door offering to exterminate. And that's what the Republicans have done. They've tanked this economy. They've destroyed the wealth of this country, and now they are at the door offering to fix it by doubling down on the same bovine, on the same equine, and on the same canine. That's bull, horse and dog excrement. So they do it with messaging. They make everybody believe that somehow Democrats are the tax and spend people as they kill the revenue to this country. And once you kill the federal revenue, the state's revenue dies also. And then the messaging tells you that Public workers are no good. Public workers, policemen are no good. The teachers are no good. Their pensions are too big. That right-to-work states that make 5500 a year less, that have more on-the-job casualties by a margin of 59% somehow represent a better way. As they scream freedom and liberty, as they seek to take away the woman's right to choose, the woman's right to access to affordable care, to birth control, to mammograms, to pap smears. The country can't afford it. Oh, we just can't afford it. The country is broke. The country isn't broke. Oh, it's the welfare, it's the welfare, when the welfare has been being given to the oil companies. The welfare is being given to big agriculture. 
welfare is being given to Blackwater, and they've changed their name a couple of times to protect the innocent and to get out from under lingering liabilities. KBR, Halliburton, that's where the subsidies are going. They're railing against clean energy. You saw Romney. He brought a bunch of, and I look, look, I'm not going to mince words. He brought a bunch of stupid coal miners. Out from the out from the cold, they all did, did. Did you see the dirty faces, the, the 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 cold on the noses and on the foreheads, and they're standing there like idiots. You will have black lung disease in a matter of a few years if you don't have it now. And those same coal jobs, you can take those same people out from underground and put them into wind farm employment, and put them into solar employment. Do you know that Germany is almost totally solar and wind power? We must get off the fossil fuel tip. And Romney is absolutely against that. I guess it's because he's getting so much money, so much money from the... uh, Oral interest. So where does it stop? When can we simply say that it's time to, and they've been saying it, message better. It's time to message better. Because since American people don't get it as far as facts, as far as the science, They messaged against climate change. And I don't know about you, but I've played Waco all summer long. And Waco is a a, um, W-A-C-O, not, well, Waco, Texas is where the Davidian Branch compound was and the and the people who died under with David Koresh as he held them in, and the government went into, and the city and town was called Waco, and the um, what do they call it? An acronym? W A C O. We ain't coming out. And I've played Waco here all summer long because of the major and massive heat. This has been the hottest, the hottest year so far. July was the hottest month in history. The drought has killed the cornfields. And now you have the, um, you have old Hurricane Isaac. He's about to flood the hell out of those barren farmlands in the south. all to the jaw-dropping dismay of those red states who have lost in their agriculture because they have used radical immigration laws to drive away their workers who pick their crops. 
They lost billions last year when they passed that legislation against uh, the migrant immigrants who come to pick the crops and to look to find a way to stay here in this country. They've lost billions. And now the flood that is being anticipated from this hurricane is going to give them a further loss of billions more. So that's where they are. And this is how they have messaged. Immigrants are no good. Black folk is no good. Unions are no good. Teachers are no good. We're broke. We can't afford education anymore. And how do they get it out of their mouth? We've got to cut taxes. How do they get it out of their mouth? And how is it that Democrats allow that type of message to get out? It seems to me that there is simply, simply, a lack of participation, a lack of willingness to get into the fight, to turn into the fight. And that's what we have to deal with. I'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Janice Graham, executive producer of TruthWorks Network. I'd like to extend to you a special invitation to join us in a six-part series, which begins August 27th, here at TruthWorks Network, Working While Black. Most of us will agree that discrimination in employment has taken a whole new form since America's dissolution of the concept of affirmative action in employment. 
Employment rights, gone. Discrimination violations, done. They've moved on to the vote, but we still must work. Working While Black, hosted by Ricardo Jones. He is a former senior investigator for the EEOC. We'll be taking your calls, your discussions, and your agenda about workplace discrimination in America. Six weeks, Working While Black, starting here at TruthWorks Network, August 27th, every Monday, 10 p.m. At TruthWorks Network, if America is talking about it, we're talking about it on the black side. TruthWorks Network is the Black Voice Collaborative, informed, invigorated, interesting talk radio. together. You and your real raw right now, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday, and me and my brave black and bold Saturdays, 10 p.m. There's no doubt. Us talk chicks, we know where the real talk is, and we know what to do on their radio. You. It's a cold and crazy world that's raging outside, but baby, me and all my girls are bringing on the fire. Show a little leg, gotta shimmy your chest. Our common ground, speaking truth to power, I'm Janice Grant. And 
that, that's the first Here's the second charge. You've got the Republicans beating this old message of debt. You've got Mitt Romney standing in front of a dead clock now. And that will be the narrative. And the Democrats, you don't see this coming? You don't see this narrative coming as they force another debt fight, as they the best of political talkback, common sense, right from the concrete, urban, progressive, politics, 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 Friday night at TruthWorks Network, 10 p.m., Alpha drills down deep the lies, the conspiracies in politics. It's just damn politics. The Alpha Show. To our common ground, where real talk matters. I'm Janice Graham. Join us in our conversation. It's time. It's time to be black, bold, and brave. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time. Our common ground. Welcome back. Welcome. Our common ground. Speaking truth to power. I'm Alpha. I'm sitting in for Janice Graham. Um, Sister Michelle in the chat room, she wants to know, how much of a factor is the concentration of media ownership in the hands of a few rich white guys? And the, is the party's ability to message effectively? Let me put it like this. It plays a major part. Sunday morning shows, has been that they've been exposed are nothing more than bastions of propaganda, and when I call them bastions of propaganda, I'm it's not that I'm speaking from uh, an opinion, a position of opinion. I'm simply talking to you from talking to you about the fairness and accuracy in reporting. And this was their report. And their report simply over a period of time, they simply made the connection that your um, ABCs this week, Meet the Press, Face the Nation, Fox News, they were more apt. The guests were overwhelmingly male. 86%, overwhelmingly white, 92%, and uh, 70% partisan affiliated, I guess, were Republican. 70% Republican, 86% male, and 92% white. So the conservative-owned media stations, And there are five of these corporations 
that own more than 90% of the audio, video, and print media. And they definitely control the ability of who gets heard. But let me say this, the unwillingness of the Democratic Party to participate. And just as I ran the clip, there were 23 people willing to participate with the help of these media outlets. That is why the Democratic Party needs to be holding news conferences. And in these news conferences, they don't only need to message, they need to slam the media for their biased reporting and their uh, inaccessibility. And when I say inaccessibility, I'm, I'm simply saying this. Fox News is a done deal. But when you have outlets such as CNN, then their ratings have fallen to a 21-year low. Because what Fox News has done, what Rupert Murdoch and News Corp has created, they've created this world of you got your facts, we got our facts. They've corrupted journalism. They've literally murdered journalism. You've got your Jake Tappers, your uh, what's the guy's name, Todd, Todd somebody. Who, who call themselves journalists, when in fact all they are are operatives. Chuck Todd is his name. And they are so, I'm going to err on the side of the conservative narrative that we can't be I'll say we can't be honest. We can't be neutral. And here's a great example. You had this hip-hop, young black hip-hop um, uh, spokesman, Torrey. As Janice tells me, um, in college he, used to, he was French, so he hung out with the white folks and called himself French. He wasn't really black until they rejected him, too and he couldn't come home. But um, he used the term, and he was absolutely right, the othering of Barack Obama, the niggerizing. And what did the Romney camp do? They forced the meeting with the executives on MSNBC, and they sent Toure out there groveling and apologizing. There was no freedom of expression you better change that or apologize or you're done. And being the young man who wants to further his career, he literally signed the back of his manumission papers and gave them back to the executive branch. And um, he cowered. He literally cowered for telling the truth. But absolutely, the media has a great deal to do with the Democrats, and I've got to tell you, it's the Democrats' willingness. They are, they are literally placing themselves in this particular box because it's so easy to force it. As you see, you see Republicans, they hit the airways, and you see them saying stupid things like, we ought to put up fences and start shooting at the border. And that gets all over. That gets play everywhere. Or you'll have drudge reports. Uh, and these other right-wing bloggers, 
They'll just throw crap against the wall to see what sticks. And this is this is just a uh, a process that happens over and over again. Uh, here's uh, a particular story I saw. Uh, and where are the libertarians? Where are the freedom and liberty people? A Utah TV station won't air the game the gay themed show says it's inappropriate for family viewing. Um, this is a um, a sitcom about a committed gay couple who hire a surrogate to carry a child. The show is set to premiere on September 11th. But after watching the pilot episode, KSL-TV has decided the program was inappropriate to show during family viewing time. So I guess that's all they need to say, and you'll never, ever, 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 ever get to see it. And they are making that decision. Uh, This is in Utah. This is in the bastion of the Mormon stronghold. And it's really about, um, what is it that they cry? Censorship. And there's no one crying about freedom and liberty coming from the libertarian or the Republican right. And that is not surprising, but it's just, you know, it's par for the course. When you get right down to it, it's literally par for the course. And when I speak about the messaging part, you know, you've heard them speak about uh, Medicare, And this is a classic example. Everyone from the Republican side, and there are at least 20 of them that get get a chance in front of a camera, and they speak about Barack Obama robbing or stealing from Medicare. And that's how they got into office in 2010. They accused the president of taking $500 billion cutting $500 billion for Medicare. And the old people went along with it because Democrats would not follow up with their messaging. And now it's the old people who have put the people who are threatening their very benefits, putting them into office. And now that they are threatening their benefits, they are continuing to fall for the lie that, oh, We won't hurt the seniors now. We're going to 10 years from now. People who are under 55, if I were a 54-year-old, I would be very concerned because that simply means I've been putting money into this program for 35 years only to come up short and to get a $7,500 voucher in 10 years. That is $7,500 will be woefully short will be woefully short, and it will force me to pay anywhere from six to $7,000 a year more. And the current seniors will pay more because under the Romney-Ryan plan, the premium support structure does not kick in until 2023. So current seniors will remain in the existing Medicare program but should Romney and Ryan repeal the Affordable Care Act, 
beneficiaries will face higher costs sharing and premiums, particularly in preventive services. They don't pay for preventive services now, but if you repeal the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as they call it, you will then start paying for preventive services and seniors who have received prescription drug discounts will no longer receive those discounts and they will pay more for their medication. So the lie is that it will not affect it will not affect seniors. And there's no or there is very little pushback. There is weak pushback. They are they will pay according to this particular article. They will pay for they will pay up to sixty thousand more in for Medicare under the Romney Ryan plan. They have no shame. They bring their mamas out to lie for them. And I don't blame the mothers. Your son told you that. And you're going to believe your son. But your son is a liar. Private insurers will charge more. And you'll lose that clout in effectiveness in a traditional Medicare. The experience higher profits and administrative costs. That's what the insurance companies will do. Affordable Care Act restricts them from putting more money into their pocket and less into the care of the patient. But the messaging does not allow that to come across. It's about participation. It's about the ability of people to the politicians to step up and get the message out. 347-838-9852. That's the number. It's open mic night. If you don't call, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> oh, I can do that. I can do that. And I will. But to, for me, this is about, this allows me to get it off my chest. This allows me to not really take it personal. Because when I see the, just the malfeasance, I like to call it malfeasance, of the black caucus, don't make me laugh. The malfeasance of the Black Caucus is so, so ridiculous that it takes me, it takes me a, I, 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 to keep from gagging, I have to sometimes ignore. You know, you got uh, the the guy from Cleveland, the young ladies from Texas, and the young lady from the Congresswoman from Ohio who are part of the Black Caucus. But has anybody, has there been a spotting of a Maxine Waters? Has anyone spotted uh, quite a few of these uh, congressional black Congress members? 
And those should be the ones out there beating the drum. Where's Stinny Hoyer? Stinny, oh, Stinny, are you out there? I didn't say Ren and Stimpy. I said Stinny, Stinny Hoyer. Where is he at? Where are all of these Democrats who are up for re-election, who should be pounding in front of the camera at the radical abortion bill that Paul Ryan and the rest of these Republicans have supported. Carry the rapist baby to term. Personhood. You will be brought up on murder charges. Their drive, their march, their crusade to kill Roe v. Wade, to stop choice, to stop a woman's free choice. That is what the crime is. That is what is unbelievable. And it's unbelievable because out of one side of their mouth, they yell and they scream freedom and liberty. Out of the other side of their mouth, they work feverishly to cut it off. And it's just a, it's just a matter of who do you cut it off for? And for those who can't understand why the Republican position is so far to the right. It's because the think tanks, ALEC, Heritage Foundation, Americas for Prosperity, it's because these think tanks have successfully added voter suppression. And I don't know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania, but I'll tell you this. If that Supreme Court locks two and two, there are two Republicans there are two Democrats, and if that Supreme Court locks two and two, it goes back to the district judge, and we've already seen his ruling. And to allow this Pennsylvania suppression law to stand is a, an attack on the Voting Rights Act. And if that's allowed to happen, that will be the next target. You already have this Republican national push to get rid of the Voting Rights Act. I guess, why? Is that just coincidental? Is, is, that just, is that just a lark? Really? Let's get rid of the Voting Rights Act? Or another congressman says, the Voting Rights Act is unconstitutional. Oh, we can't have that. The Voting Rights Act is unconstitutional. We have to somehow get rid of that. And the particular story is is a the GOP attorney generals. Voting Rights Act should be struck down to boost laws suppressing Minority vote. The Republican Attorney General of Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Texas. Now imagine that. What do all of those states have in common? All right, they're red states. They filed an 
amicus brief in the Supreme Court arguing that a key provision of the Voting Rights Act is unconstitutional. Significantly, the brief points to the fact that the Voting Rights Act impedes law intended to make it more difficult for racial minorities to cast a ballot as a reason why the court should cast a skeptical gaze on the landmark voting rights law responsible for breaking up of Jim Crow. (laughs) Do you, can you believe that these red states, these are elected officials. These are the attorney, attorney generals of Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, South Carolina, and South Dakota and Texas. You know, there is so much, so much that Democrats should be doing, progressives and liberals who are in elective office should be doing. And this is one of the stories that they should be pointing out. The Department of Justice denied preclearance for South Carolina voter identification law and the one in Texas. So when they didn't like it, when the Department of Justice stepped in, what was the first thing they did? They ran to the federal courts. And let me say this about the federal courts in those southern districts. 94% of corporate cases adjudicated in southern courts in front of federal court judges are ruled upon in favor of the corporations, not the offended party. That's to say that Republicans have successfully stacked the courts. At this point, The democratic message should be the warning to the American people that our judiciary is being called into question. It's not about a fidelity to the law. It's about a loyalty to an ideology, to a party that seeks to strip and steal the rights of minorities and people of color just as active as the Hispanics are about uh, immigration reform. They should be just as active about what is being done in the name of democracy and how the Republicans have for years been getting that, that wink and that nod, okay, you, you've you tried to limit or kill Social Security, but we forgive you for that. Come on back in. We look at you as a viable, rational party. You tried to kill Medicare. Okay, all right. Well, we can't. We won't hold this grudge against you. You tried to kill Medicaid, the same thing. Each and every program. Every New Deal program, Republicans are out to destroy. Look at what they're doing to the post office, the major employer of veterans. They pass a bill that says you have to 
fund your pension and health care plan for retirees 75 years in advance, thus giving you a $5.5 billion annual burden that they know you can't meet, and then they point the finger and say, you're not profitable, you're losing money, when no taxpayer dollars go to run the post office. That's messaging. They put in place and pass these poison pill bills, and as they take effect, they yell and scream about the inefficiency of government as they wage war, literally wage war on their government. Government can do nothing right. And I don't know about you, but this morning I was awakened by an alarm clock (laughs) that was simply run by an electrical grid that was government-run. I got up and took a shower from clean water through a water filtration plant that is government-run. I sat down for breakfast from and ate food that has been deemed safe by the FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Now, you can talk about Monsanto. We can get into that, that into the little crevices of that. I then started out to work driving an approved highway and safety uh, that agency that clears my automobile is safe. And I use the roads of the Department of Transportation. And as I got to my job, I was assured my safety by the government agency known as OSHA. And the government agency that protected me from being injured or dying on the job. And on the way home, I used the same vehicle and drove on the same government roads. And when I got to my house, I was happy to see that it hadn't burned down to the ground because of that socialist fire department. Public work employees. Or that my home had not been burglarized, which had been watched over by those pesky public employees known as policemen. And I was able to get into my house and go to my computer that was a dual uh, private sector government operation that produced the Internet from satellites that have been government-launched only to turn the channel on to hear how the government can't do anything right from those bastards over at Fox News. What do you say? What do you say? If you don't understand that we are a nation of hybrids, 
socialists and private sector ventures. There's nothing venture capitalist about Bain. They are vulture capitalists. Whether the company survives or not, Bain profits. That's vulture capitalism. And it's not about being envious or jealous of wealth or punishing success. Those are simple talking points. Those are the messaging that they use to push back. If you don't know, please ask somebody. If you can't see, get yourself a cane or a seeing-eyed dog. For Republicans, especially those Republicans who vote against their own interests, who only need the scintilla, only need the small reason to vote against a president who is trying to help a nation and to dislike him because of the color of his skin. It can be nothing else. His policies have been Republican-approved policies. He has done nothing far to the left, as you've heard them all complain. They've messaged that. He's so left-wing radical. There's nothing he has done that will say, that says that this nation is in uh, in peril if you re-elect him. But that is their messaging. And their messaging has gotten their candidate close enough to strike with the help of voter suppression in major swing states. And what we are facing now and what we are looking for now is help from a lazy, late, Department of Justice. You know, when Republicans are in power, they use it all. They force and ram it down your throat. And to your objections, they simply ignore them and stand pat with, take us to court, because they know they can drag the issue out until their term is over. And if they are found to be wrong, they'll simply say, oops, my bad, as the damage has been done. And that's what they're seeking with voter suppression. If it fails in court, it will be only after Romney has been elected, just like Bush was selected. And then they stole it in Ohio in 2004 by turning away hundreds of thousands because the lines were too long, which led to expanded voting, early voting. And now they're cutting that back, and they're going back to the same game plan that put them in office, that gave them that edge as they disenfranchised voters before. And then you have them, the Republicans, who throw rocks and hide their hands. Oh, you want people who are illegal to vote? Where? They've all admitted that this is why they've brought these laws onto 
suppress the minority vote, the elderly vote, the youth vote, the people who voted for Barack Obama. And I know he, he can't. I can't see any, any scenario where he didn't see this coming. Well, he didn't understand what they were trying to do. I can't see where Eric Holder could not see that this was a full frontal assault on the Voting Rights Act. Not the Voting Privilege Act. It's called the Voters' Rights Act. And we will find that we have become a nation of rich and wealthy owners who will own and buy the government. There was a story about the Romney Koch brothers meeting that produced another $100 million donation to the super PAC. All he had to do was pick Paul Ryan, and that's exactly what he did. This is also about grooming a 2016 or a 2020 candidate, and that is Paul Ryan. Chris Christie, he can't lose enough weight to run for president in 16. Come on, let's face it. Just, just let's face, as a big guy, there's no way. They don't make podiums that big. It's just a matter of messaging. And this nation has fallen victim as if they are lemmings, as if they are zombies. As if they are the Borg. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Borg, it's a Star Trek uh, sci-fi villain. It's a, uh, what do they call it? It's a collective of non-thinking, a soldier of armed uh, robots half-robot, half-persons who follow what they're told lockstep. Those are the Borg. So tell me. Tell me if you can. What will happen? What are you going to do? Should President Barack Obama fail to get a second term? Will it matter about the drone strike? Hell no, they'll continue. Will it matter about rendition and endless detention? Hell no. Will stop and frisk stop in New York? Hell no. Will there be any ear that you can, that will listen to the concerns of the middle class? Absolutely not. Will there be any I would call them, will we have any redress? Will we be able to complain anywhere? The courts will be stacked. The courts will be filled. As they've held down his nominees, as he has not had the courage to appoint them when Congress was out on recess because they've been obstructed. He didn't have the courage to recess a point 
the obvious obstruction, to push back, to fight back, and just let them squeal like pigs. He's had the fewest recess appointments in modern history. He's had the fewest judges appointed, and that's very important. He's appointing judges regardless of their ideology. Republicans are are appointing judges with only their ideology. As Roberts and Alito lied to the nominating, to the board, to the senators, through the nominating process, that's what you have. This country has been tilted to the right because of their endless work, because of the think tank. Because of the messaging. Now we need someone who will step up and pull the nation back to the left just to balance it out. Because the teeter totter has teetered, (laughs) it's leaning right as you have the people of Occupy camping in the parks. They've got the message across of income inequality, and that's where it's died. It's been a summer, a summer lost of marches and camping in the park instead of grooming candidates to run for house seats instead of participating in a two-party system, because it is a two-party system. There is no third party. Who and when is the last time you heard from the Green Party? Didn't the uh, nominee, didn't the person running for the nomination to be president from the Green Party, didn't she just get arrested for an admirable cause? It wasn't like she was out there just felonious. She got arrested for an admirable cause. But really, by all of the people who declare voting for the lesser of two evils is still evil, evil is all we have. Evil is all you get. If you're not willing to get the money out of politics, you will always get evil. And if you believe one party should do the noble thing and not accept the money, they will be outspent into oblivion. Citizens United has created this new day, this new dawn, this new beginning, this new normal. Spend as much money as you possibly can. Obama will spend a billion the super PACs will spend $2.5 billion. So now let's think about it. Anywhere from 3 to $4 billion will be spent, not just for a $200,000 a year job or a job as senator or a job as congressman, but to control the nation. The Koch brothers see it as an investment. Big Oil sees it as an investment. Wall Street sees it as an investment. Democrats don't have the backbone nor the discipline to 
to filibuster and stop an agenda, because if that were the case, the atmosphere was ripe and ready when the Supreme Court appointed W. Bush as President of these United States. When he stopped, when they stopped the count in Florida, handing George Bush the presidency, the time to obstruct, the time to say no to everything and shut everything down was in the year 2001. The biggest terrorist attack occurred on the Republicans' watch. The biggest collapse, financial collapse in our economy and the shift of wealth from the middle class to the upper class happened under Republicans. Tell me about Obama spending. He's going to spend it. Oh, we can't leave it for our grandchildren. Hell, the grandchildren were already debt in debt to their necks. The grandchildren will be paying for the $11 trillion from the Bush era, let alone the other $4 trillion from the wars and the tax uh, cuts that were not on the books. All of that is filed under Bush. But now, the messaging, the narrative. Republicans have spent over $30 million to make the debt the question, to put the debt on the front burner. It's the debt. We can't continue to borrow like this. And if the president wasn't so willing to move into the austerity mode, he would, we would not be where we are now. Now they're using it and the weak economy to beat him over the head. Now that they've watered down the health care plan, they're beating him over the head with it. And this was nothing new. This was predicted in 2000, mid-2009. That is why the enthusiastic air was released from the bubble. And you had so many liberals and progressives angry and staying home. Ask the people of Wisconsin. Ask the people in Michigan where they've killed 50% of the African-American vote. Ask the people in Pennsylvania where they've killed the speed rail, just as they killed the speed rail and jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Florida, South Carolina. Give it a name. Sabotage be thy name. Just step up and tell me, Tell me something good. Tell me that somehow I can really something that I can relate to. We will continue to listen to these people for the next week when all they offer is economic sabotage. When all they offer is obstruction, when all they offer is a reasoning that none of us can get our heads around, 
That's all they offer. We've got to be able to weed through the bovine. We've got to ask our progressive elected officials, where were you? Why aren't you out there? Why aren't you speaking in front of a microphone? Nancy Pelosi tried for a couple of weeks, and now she's fallen silent. Even Harry Reid, the quiet Harry Reid, he came out and and they pushed him back into the closet or back under the bed or back behind the door or back into the kitchen. They've all they all came out. Harry Reid's got to prove it. He's got, well why in the hell didn't uh Joe Arpaio and Donald Trump prove their allegations? And now the nation stands poised to steal the White House for the tax dodger, for the tax avoidance king. And he's going to show us how to get jobs or jobs for China. He's going to talk tough to China when he can't even talk tough to Limbaugh, when he can't talk tough to Brian Fisher, when he can't talk tough to anyone. How did Huntsman call him? The well-oiled wind vane. Whichever way the wind blows. And why is my clock giving me 45 seconds left? And my clock has given me over two minutes. Oh, blog talk radio, you never cease to amaze me. I find it reprehensible. <laughs> so look, I don't know how this is going to play. I don't know whether I have 29 seconds left or two minutes left. And let me say this. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. Janice Graham will return next Saturday, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, it's giving me 90 seconds now, but my clock says one second. So thank you, everyone, for joining me. And hopefully I'm still on the air even though my clock has run out. And good night, all.
Thank <laughs> you. 